Welcome to the North Main Podcast, a production of North Main Street Church of God in Butler, Pennsylvania. This podcast brings you North Main's messages every week. We strive to know God intimately, grow in Christ continually, and go for Him daily. I invite you to listen in today as we explore the Bible and learn about its unchanging truths for living life God's way. Let's listen in to this week's message. So this morning we're going to continue on talking about joy's good news. It's going to be the last sermon in this series. And uh, if I have not had the chance to meet you, my name is uh, Matt McCarrier. Uh, I am an, a, a member here. Me and my family go here. And uh, we are just, uh, I'm always excited and pleasured to, uh, to be able to come and share with you. And, and uh, one of the things, I kind of wanted to give a couple of disclaimers before I go ahead and get started this morning. Uh, the first is that uh, the way that I prepare for sermons um, is that I try to, when we know that what we're going to be speaking on, what God's calling us to speak on, um, I try to spend that time um, reflecting on the verses that he's, that he's laid out, reflecting on the things, and spending a lot of time in prayer. And uh, you can ask my wife anytime you want that, that uh, my thoughts are just kind of all consumed into, uh, into Scripture, into what God is calling us to do and what God is wanting. And so I actually have a hard time sometimes concentrating at work. I know my dad's here. He's my boss. Um, so <laughs> but I keep, I keep a journal, like, you know, right next to on my desk, and I'm just constantly writing. And, and he'll put verses into my mind, and he'll put things into my mind. And I go through, and I just let that flow. And, and it's, it's a constant reflection upon what, um, what we're going to be speaking on. And I, I ask God to make that, that flow and, and go where he wants it to go. And so the reason I share that is that for me it's very fluid and it's very, um, it can flex in here and there and it can change very quickly. And so this morning um, I'm going to be sharing some verses and speaking on some things and uh, it's not going to be on the screen. And it's not due to any lack of preparation or anything wrong with the, the media team. It's just that uh, I didn't even tell them. So um, <laughs> Because it, it happened actually last night and this morning and so... Um, just, I want to encourage you that I'm going to be reading some verses. I'll, I'll let you know if, if you're out there and you're like, man, I don't know how to get through the Bible. There's Bibles in front um, of you in your pews and there are people in your pews that can help you. Um, and so this is what I really want from this morning is it's going to look a little bit different. Um, it's going to be a little bit different because God's calling me to do something a little bit different. And so, uh, this morning, you may need to go out of your comfort zone if you're uncomfortable with traveling through the Bible, but that's okay because there's a lot of really good people here um, that will help you. The second thing is that uh, as we move through this, usually how God speaks to me and how he works through my scripture um, readings and through my sermon writings is I'll kind of focus in on one verse and he'll just keep revealing things, more and more things about that verse, whether it's through me reading a commentary or listening to a sermon or listening to a pastor and I'll be like, oh, that fits right into what that scripture that I'm, I'm teaching on. This week, uh, for the past two weeks, he's just been flooding me with scriptures and he's been flooding me with like these things. And so I, I even told my wife as I was driving in this morning, I said, I'm not quite sure how these things are going to flow together, but I trust that God will make that happen. So if it feels jumbled, I apologize. Um, this is kind of just where God has been leading me and where he's been um, trying to direct where he wants us to go. And so uh, I am encouraged by, um, by where this church is going. Pastor Brandon and I are very excited about this new sermon series coming up in the, new, in, uh, the next month because it's going to be talking about this um, problem that we are going to be having over the next month. If you, 
if you don't think that things are going to get bad in the next month, I'm not here to tell, I'm not apocalyptic, I'm not anything, I'm not trying to scare anybody, but the next month's going to be hard. And it's going to just keep getting harder and harder and harder, and we need to talk about it, and we need to be willing to let God speak to us. And so I'm excited about where we're going. I'm excited because I think this caps it off so beautifully and puts us right into a place where we can actually discuss that in a good place. Um, And so we're going to be ending talking about this joy coming in the good news of Christ in his resurrection. And, uh, and last week, if you remember, uh, we talked about this road to Emmaus. We talked about Christ encountering these people um, on this road and revealing to them um, who he is and, and kind of us sometimes missing who Christ is. And we're going to continue and pick up that story. And the first verse we're going to look at is um, Luke 24, 35 through 53. I think they might actually have this one because I told them about that one. Um, so this is Luke 24, 35 through 53. It says, Then the two from Emmaus told their story. So those two men that had, our two people, we don't know if they're both men, we know one was a man. Um, they came back to Jerusalem, back to the disciples to tell their story. Hey, we met Jesus out on the road. Um, they wanted to tell their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they recognized him um, as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling it, Jesus himself was subtly standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. But the whole group was startled and frightened, thinking they were seeing a ghost. Why are you frightened, he asked. Why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet. You can see that it's really me. Touch me and make sure that I'm not a ghost, because ghosts don't have body. As you see that I do... As he spoke, he showed them, that his hands, showed them his hands and his feet. Still they stood there in disbelief, filled with wonder, joy and wonder. Then he asked them, do you have anything here to eat? They gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he, uh, and they, and he ate as they watched. Let's just pause there, because this is super weird. Right? Can you imagine this experience, like this idea of, of Christ just appearing in this room, and then he's like, hey, you guys got something to eat? <laughs> and they're just like... They just stand, and then I just picture them all like in the corner, right? He's like over there, and they're all like, he's just eating fish. <laughs> like, like, what are we supposed to do? Right? This is crazy. Here's the thing I, I wanted to talk about this morning. One of the things that I think that the problem is what we're going through right now, the ramifications of what we're seeing in our country, why I think this next month is going to get worse, is because we've lost this fear of the Lord. One of the things that the resurrection should do for us, one of the things that it does for me, is it should make you afraid. I'm sorry if that's not, you know, something that you've heard before. I'm sorry if that's not something that uh, you feel comfortable with, because for my whole life, the majority of the time, the church has preached uh, that, you know, Jesus is our buddy, right? Buddy Jesus. And this idea that, that there's there, but we should be afraid of God, and we should be afraid of the resurrection, Every time that God has interacted with people in his true form, in his holiness, they have been afraid. We don't fear God. We don't fear the resurrection. And when I speak we, I truly mean this. When I'm talking about these things, when I talk about my preparation for sermons, I'm not thinking on you guys. I'm thinking on myself. I reflect on what I need and where I need to go because I know that I am broken 
I come to you as an equal. I'm not trying to come in as a lecturer. I am not afraid of God like I should be. I don't fear the resurrection, the power that is in it, the true power. If you really stop to think about it, here's the two sins that the church commits. One of them is that we just aren't afraid. We are so desensitized to it. Oh yeah, God, you know, he rose from the dead. That's cool, right? We either don't believe it or we're desensitized to it because if we truly sat down and we thought about it, it should make us terrified. There is a being that exists that can control life and death. Not only life and death of us, but life and death of itself. That is beyond anything we can even comprehend, and it should be so scary. But the really cool thing is that he doesn't end there. Jesus comes out and he says, why are you frightened? You guys know me. Why are you frightened? Why are your hearts filled with doubt? How often are our hearts filled with doubt? How often are we so pulled away? You know, the times that I think the most about the resurrection, I'm just going to be real with all of you today because that's what God's called me to do, and I've been really nervous about this sermon because he has. The, the truth is, the most times that I think about the resurrection is when I'm sinning, and maybe that's why you think about it. It's either right when I'm about to sin, like when I'm tempted to sin, or it's right after I have sinned. So the devil, he takes those things, and, and here's the cool thing, is that either one of these two pieces of the resurrection, the true and utter fear, or that, hey, why are you afraid? Those two things alone, the devil can use those things. He can say, Jesus is just your buddy. Do whatever you want. Or he can say, be so afraid of God because he hates you, and he'll never forgive you. But the two of them together is where God shows up, and he says, no, You should be terrified of who I am. But I love you. And so I'm going to protect you. It should rock us to our core. It should bring us to tears when we think about it. I was speaking at um, Whitehall over the summer, and I shared with the kids, I said, hey, um, go through the Ten Commandments. And I said, I promise you, everything except for like, like murder, I guess, but even in that, whenever Jesus elevates the law, I've committed that. I've committed every single sin in the Ten Commandments because he says if you, if you have anger in your heart with someone, it's the same as murdering them. If you have lust in your heart for someone, it's the same as committing adultery. If you put something above God, it's committing idolatry. Every single thing I can tell you. From the time that I was young, I've struggled with anger. From the time that I was a teenager, I've struggled with lust because pornography has been a huge impact into my generation. It's accessible everywhere from our phones. Sin is constantly racking upon us, and it can make us so terrified, and it can break us. And one of our reactions is either to not believe, right? One of our reactions is to step back and say, ah, Either, either God's not real or God is so cool that he's not going to be uh, angry about what I'm doing. And we just push these things out of the way. We push these things. Here's the thing is that our country is where it's at because we have done that for generations. The resurrection should cause us to change. When I sit and I pray, one of the cool things was... Uh, 
I'm in a Bible study on Saturday mornings with some guys, and I don't think they realize how much it impacts me, but it does. And one of the guys in that Bible study, he said to me, he was like, we said the whole group, he said, the devil is so good in speaking in our own voices. And how often has that been true in your life? How often have I heard in my own head, hey, it's okay to look at that. It's not hurting anybody. It's my own voice speaking, and it's not hurting. Hey, you know the Bible. It never said anywhere explicitly not to do that, right? Hey, that gossip, right? It's truth, right? They really did those things. You're just speaking truth. It's our own voice. It's these little twists, these little lies that he says. And the resurrection should point us back. It should cause us to, to say, I can't listen to that voice. It should be a grounding point. It should be, there is a God who controls life and death. And he tells me how I should live my life. And the voice I'm lifting, listening to, even if it's my own, if it's against what he says, I have to, to banish it. And that's where the joy comes in because it should shape and twist and shape us into new creations, new things. That's where he comes in and he goes, why are your hearts filled with doubt? Look at my hands, look at my feet, look what I've done for you. Can you see that it's really me? Touch me. Make sure that I'm not a ghost because goats don't have bodies as you see that I do. As he spoke, he showed them his hands and feet. They stood still in disbelief. Then he said, when I was, this jumping down to 44, when I was with you before, I told you that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their minds to understanding scriptures. This is the truth. When we don't take, when we don't fear God, when we don't fear who he is, when we don't acknowledge his power and the things that he can do, when we don't accept that, then we don't accept the Holy Spirit into our lives. We block it because we say, how can that, those two things are not cohesive. We, we could sing all we want, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And if we don't acknowledge that Holy Spirit is welcome wherever he wants, whenever he wants, then he's not actually welcome here, right? Because guess what? I'm controlling when he's here. The Holy Spirit's here when he wants to be. We are welcome here is what he says. I'm not dissing that song. I like that song a lot. But what I'm saying is that this resurrection, it's everything. It's everything. It's everything that we should be. It's, it should make us think differently on everything. And it doesn't mean that we have to knock everything else like, out. It doesn't mean that. It means that we have to look at the world with the acknowledgement that there is someone and something higher than we are. And that has to affect how we view people, how we do things. It affects all the way down to our, our government, how we interact. Think about this. I hear so many people, and I'm, again, it's not, I'm not trying to get super political. I hear so many people come out and say, oh, well, they put all their time and their energy into fighting this law or this person in government or trying to advocate for this thing or that thing. And they're like, well, if I don't, then, you know, how is this going to happen? And I'm like, you take, for example, the idea of abortion. I think that we should very much vote to, to make it Ill illegal, right? I think we should be um, working in that thing into that direction. But here's the truth. If we as a people taught our children the value of human life, if we as a people said when someone makes a mistake and they become 
pregnant, we're going to stand beside them and make sure that they are able to walk through this life successfully, knowing that they are loved. If we took all the abandoned children and said we will raise them, then guess what? There wouldn't be abortion clinics. Because this is the thing. The resurrection has to change us. But if we don't acknowledge it, if we don't believe who he is, if we don't understand that it is everything, then it doesn't, does nothing. We become a, a gong, a clanging symbol. That's what the Bible says, what Paul says. I could get up here and speak over and over again, but if I don't believe it, if I don't truly act it and allow it to change my life, if we as a church will do nothing, we'll do nothing and this place will crumble and, and people will forget. But God says, if you acknowledge who I am, and if you follow me, if you become a slave to me, that's the language he uses, a slave to me, I will change it. And this is not something new. That's where he says, he goes, listen, if you guys are thinking that I'm trying to invent something, he's talking to his disciples. He goes, go back and read the Old Testament. This has always been the way it is. I've always had this power. I've always said I'm going to do this. That's what this second verse uh, that I have here is. Uh, it's Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. It's in the Old Testament. I'll give you a second to get there if you'd like. This whole passage in Isaiah is from the perspective. It's talking about Jesus. And it says, Who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, this is Jesus, my servant Jesus grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Think about that. He grew up in a place that was just culturally starved. There was no one around him. He was, he was like a root in this desert. It's powerful imagery. There was nothing beautiful or magnificent about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. He was despised and rejected a man of sorrows, acquainted with the deepest griefs. He turned our backs, we turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God. That's ridiculous if you think about it. We thought that the things that happened to him were because he was being punished by God. And we thought his troubles are the punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we could be whole. He was whipped so that we could be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. And yet the Lord said to him, or laid on him, the sins of all of us. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to be slaughtered, and as a sheep in silent, uh, is silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, and that his life was cut short midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. Think about that. This is a common theme, rebellion. The devil has kind of even twisted that, especially in our own culture. To be a rebel is to be cool, and it's usually the good people who are the rebels. I mean, even think about it. It's funny. I'm going to talk this, about this a little bit later here in a second. But uh, one of my favorite movies of all times is uh, Lord of the Rings. Or not Lord of the It is Lord of the Rings. But um, Star Wars. I love Star Wars. And uh, The Empire Strikes Back turned 40 um, this 
like weekend, I guess. And so it's back in theaters. So me and my daughter went and saw it last night. And uh, who are the good guys? The rebels, right? <laughs> you know, it's an awesome movie. She loved it. Uh, <laughs> my mom's giving me a dirty look. Um, who are the good guys? The rebels. This idea that rebellion, rebellion is, is okay and it's good. We are rebels against a good God. And he said he was counted as one of us, as a rebel, yet he never did any rebelling. But it was the Lord's good plan to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. He will enjoy a long life, and the Lord's good plan will prosper in his hands. When he sees all that is accomplished by his anguish, he will be satisfied. And because of his experience, my righteous servant will make it possible for many to be counted righteous. For he will hear or bear all their sins. I will give him the honors of a victorious soldier because he exposed himself to death. He was counted among the rebels and he bore the sins of many and interceded for the rebels. Here's the thing. We rebel. We rebel all the time. And if we're honest with ourselves, we get so caught up with what this world says. We get so caught up in, in, in arguments and in all these things. And God is calling us. He's calling the church during this time. Right now, we are a part of it. He is calling us to revival. He is saying we need to turn from the things that we are doing and come back to God. And this is not some sort of um, fire and brimstone thing because here's the thing is that there is hope and joy. What are we talking about? We're talking about joy in the good news is we should be fearful of God and, and the, in that is the true joy because we serve a God who is so powerful. He oversees life and death and yet he says, I love you Amen. and I accept you and I bring you in. David struggled with this but he understood it. He struggled with rebellion. Think about David's life. He rebelled over and over and over again, and yet he knew who God was, and that's why he was a man after God's own heart, is he always turned back. He always recentered himself. He was always repentant. That's what God is calling us to do. He's calling his people to be repentant. There's nothing that we've done that pushes us too far from God's grace, and yet he calls us to turn and come back to him. In Psalms 19, we see David dealing with this. So this is Psalm 19. David acknowledges who God is. He says, The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard. Yet their message has gone through the earth and their words to all the world. God has made a home in the heavens for the sun. It bursts forth like a radiant bridegroom after his wedding. It rejoices like a great athlete eager to run in the race. The sun rises at one end of the heavens and follows its course to the other end. Nothing can hide from its heat. 
He begins this psalm by talking about the great power of God. He acknowledges who God is. He says, this is the very God that created the heavens and the earth. He's the God that created everything, that controls everything. He controls, and it's funny because we look and we say, oh, well, we can explain in science why you know, the sun sets and, and rises and, and why you know, our planets do the things that we do, and yet we're so so uh, hesitant to give God the credit for, to, for creating those designs and placing those things and overseeing those things. And yet David says he is the God that does that. You have to give him that acknowledgement and that power if you're going to follow him. And then he comes right after that, after acknowledging who he is, he says this in verse 7. The instructions of the Lord are perfect, reviving the soul. The decrees of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are right, bringing joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are clear, giving insight for living. Reverence for the Lord is pure, lasting forever. The laws of the Lord are true, each one is fair. They are more desirable than gold, even the finest gold. They are sweeter than honey, even honey dripping from the comb. They are a warning to your servant and a great reward for those who obey them. How can I know all the sins lurking in my heart? Cleanse me from these hidden faults. Keep your servant from deliberate sins. Don't let them control me. Then I will be free from guilt and innocent of great sin. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be a blessing to you. O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. You see what David did there. He acknowledged who Christ, who God was. And he said, because of who you are, your laws are good. Because of who you are, your power is great and I am obligated to follow. We have to look different. We have to stop looking like the world. We have to stop thinking that the answer resides in the things and and the processes of this world. We have to make it so that the generations that follow us are reverent of God. And guess what? It's very hard. Going back into, again, the the, uh, Star Wars reference is what I was going to say. I was sitting there and re, uh, watching this movie, and, and like I said, I try to process everything through, through God, even things that are secular things. I try to see, because all these people that are creating and doing things, they're all people that have been created by God, and they all reflect his image. And so the things and desires that they're pouring out are oftentimes just crying out for God, and it's interesting to watch that. And as I watch, it's, it's so funny because uh, my daughter is just laughing at um, Yoda Yoda comes out, if you're not familiar with Star Wars, he's this little, like, green alien guy. And he's funny, and he comes out, and he's talking to Luke. And uh, Luke's the main character. He's the Jedi. He's the one that's being trained. And Luke turns to him, and he says, is the dark side more powerful? And Yoda says, no, but it's easier. And I was blown away. I was sitting there. I was blown away. I'm like, yes, yes, it is. It's easier for us to go out and pick it than to bring someone into our lives and to stand beside them for their entire life and make sure that they um, are supported and loved. It's easier for us to vote 
and say, that's my obligation than it is to stand up and say, I know that that person's heart hurting and I have extra and so I'm going to give of the things that God has given to me. Those things are easier. The dark side is easier. And the God, God takes those things, in, or, or the devil takes those things and twists them and turns them. And he says, it's good, you're good. You're covered. Here's where I want to close. I was thinking on that verse. I was thinking on David's reflection. I was thinking on this fact that the, that the dark side is easier. The dark path is easier. The, the road to, to hell is, is wide, and, it, and many people go down it. This life calls us to look different and to live different and to think different. It calls us to be humble, to keep our mouths closed, to reflect on the things that are going on, to take and yet stand up in times when we know that we are called to do so. Pastor Brandon's going to, we're going to talk about this, and Pastor Brandon and I are preaching on the next, um, the Christ in culture, and we're going to talk about Christ's views on standing up. He wasn't a pushover. He was willing to stand up for things, but he looked different, and he challenged people to look different. Here's what he says to his disciples in John 6.53. This is a really interesting passage. I think about this often. Jesus is with his disciples, his 12, and then a greater number with him. Um, he's congregating with them, and he's teaching on them. And uh, he hasn't given them the Lord's Supper yet. He hasn't told them about communion, but he says this to them in verse uh, John 6, 53. It says, So Jesus said again, I tell you the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you cannot have eternal life within, within you. But anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. Anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in him. I live because of the, the living Father who sent me. In the way, anyone who feeds on me will live because of me. I am the true bread that came down from heaven. Anyone who eats this bread will not die as your ancestors did even though they ate of the manna, but, it will live, but they will live forever. He said these things while he was teaching at the synagogue in Capernaum. Many of his disciples, this is what gets me, many of his disciples said, this is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus, who was aware of his disciples were complaining, said to them, does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend into heaven again? Man, I think about this all the time. Do you, know, do you realize what, God, what Christ was saying in that moment? He says, did what I say just offend you? What's it going to do when you realize I'm God? Are you still going to be offended when you see me raised into heaven? When you see the resurrection? When you acknowledge the resurrection? When you acknowledge my power? Are you still going to be offended? Are you still going to be offended? Are you still going to choose this? He goes on and he says... The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. We are trying to accomplish eternal life. We're trying to accomplish God's kingdom here on earth through human means. Do you realize that? And it's failing. 
We have to acknowledge the resurrection. We have to say, you are, just like David did, you are the God who oversees heaven and earth. You are the God who oversees life and death. You are the God who can raise yourself from the dead because you have no limitations. And because of that, even though some of these things aren't so popular in culture right now, some of these things that you say in here are hard for me to swallow. Some of these things that you say I'm not allowed to do, I want to do, but if I acknowledge who you are, then there's no other choice. If I acknowledge who you are, then there is no other choice for what, me, what I should do. I have to follow you. I have to follow you. So I want to encourage you. I don't know where you're at. I don't know where you are with your walk with God. And maybe today you sat and you're just like, man, that's not what I signed up for. I hate to say it, but that's what it is. And if you've never heard that before, I'm sorry. And I'm not saying that sorry as in like, you know, oh, I'm sorry, you know, you know forget it. I'm genuinely sorry because that means the church has failed you. It means that we sugarcoated things. It means that, that brothers and sisters in Christ before me refused or didn't want to tell you hard truths. And I'm sorry about that. But it's what it is. And we have to accept it and change. And as a church, guess what happens when that happens? Radical change. The Holy Spirit shows up. Because if you acknowledge who he is and you say, God, you are the God of the universe and I am going to follow you, then he says, now I can use you. Now I can use you. The, dis the disciples were cowering in an upper room until, God, until Christ came back and said, guess what, I'm back. Because I oversee life and death. And guess what, I'm sending something for you. And when you are ready to accept this, when your doubt is gone, when you are believing it, that doesn't mean all the doubt is gone, right? They still sat, they watched him eat, and they were still like pressed back like, I don't know what's going on, right? There's doubt. I feel it all the time. But if we accept and allow it to change who we are, our thoughts, if I can look, and I'm not saying I'm perfect, but if I can look at Star Wars and see how they're, how they're reflecting God, that should be how it is. I should be able to look at all things because all things are pointing back to a creator, longing for a creator. The, the, the Bible says the very rocks will scream out for a creator if we don't do it. Guess what? They're screaming out. We have to be the ones that do it. That's our goal. And I hope going into this new, um, new sermon series coming up that we are willing to look at that not from a how are we going to vote. Right? That's important. And how we relate to Christ should affect that. But guess what? It should be how do we look at what's happening in the world and see what God wants us to do. Because what he wants us to do, I guarantee you, is going to be a little bit different than what we got in our heads. So I want to encourage you. I'm going to close here in prayer. I'm going to invite the, uh, the worship team to come on back up. If you're in a place right now where maybe you're like, man, that doesn't sound like things that I've experienced. That sounds a little bit tough. That's what God said it was going to be like. He said, take up your cross daily. But here's the truth. Why we call this joy in the good news, why it's called good news, is he says, yeah, it's hard. 
And yeah, it's going to be tough. And yeah, I'm calling you to a higher, higher place. And I need you to follow me. And I need you to give up your life. I need you to be a slave to me. But guess what? In that is joy and peace. Because my ways are good. You'll become who I meant you to be, who you were created to be. In your very core, you'll be doing the things I want you to do. And you'll be the person I need you to be. And we'll experience joy. There will be peace and love. That's what God brings when we surrender. And so I want to encourage you. The altars will be open. On this altar over here is if you want to uh, have someone pray with you, you can come up and have someone pray with you. You're welcome to come up here. Over here, we'll have it available if you, uh, if you need um, just that space by yourself. You just want to talk to God and cry out there. But I want to encourage you. Maybe you need to reaffirm, maybe you need to restructure, maybe you need to do a 180 and be like, man, everything I've been focusing on has been away from God. I don't acknowledge who he is. Maybe you're racked by who he is. Maybe the worship has just been washing over and you're like, God's so powerful. He's so powerful and I've not given up my life. Come down here. There'll be people here who can help you, who can work through that with you, who can help you pray um, and, and, and we'll give you advice on where to go next and then we'll have things ready for you. But I encourage you, if you need to speak to God, Um, feel welcome down here. Let me uh, close in prayer here. Dear God, we just thank you so much. We thank you for your scripture. God, sometimes we feel like we're alone and we have to fix things on our own. Sometimes we feel like you're sitting off watching and everything's going wrong and it's like, oh man, we we just got to fix it to make God happy and and God says, you're, you're missing the point. God, I know you say that. You're missing the point in your scripture. And God, I just pray, pray that we can see your kingdom's being built. And we're invited to the party. God, just let us accept the invitation. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. It's not always going to be a celebration. God, help us to get through those hard times. Times like right now, when we have a hard time seeing where your direction is. We have a hard time seeing your kingdom. And we may f- we're fearful, God. We lift that up to you right now. We're afraid. I'm afraid. I'm afraid for our church. I'm afraid for our people. I'm afraid for my family and for my children. God, take those fears. Give us bravery. Give us wisdom. Give us hope. Give us joy. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us this week. Check back next week as we dig deeper and go further in our understanding of God's Word. Make sure to visit us on our website, www.northmaincog.org, where you can learn more about us. If you found value in today's message, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would be helpful too. Donating to the ongoing ministry of North Main is easy. Just go to our website and click on the Give tab at the top of the screen. Thanks for listening. We look forward to you joining us again next week.